Hello and welcome to the Week in Review. I'm joined today by SD Wicket. Sam, how are you? I'm very well, Michael. It's a nice sunny day. First for a while. How are you? I'm good. I've been on a walk, so I've I've been allowed, been allowed outside today, thanks to the uh, thanks for a very kind government, and uh, now I'm back inside. Luke, how are you as well? I'm joined by Luke Perry also. Yeah, uh, I, I am very well. It's a nice sunny day, is here. I I have yet to go outside because I have a terrible sleep cycle. <laughs> well, you just got up, is that? It's two o'clock, by the way, for those listening. Yeah, I, I'm a student, and in lockdown, this, these things happen. Too many excuses. Um, now, today, we're, we're erring slightly away from the usual lockdown coverage. Not that that means that it's going to be much more positive. Um, and the three topics we've got are on the, the coup going on in Myanmar, um, a story on the use by the government and certain British institutions of child spies, and then the the moving towards uh, the use of technology within the brain by Elon Musk, which would be a, a good way of tying up. But first, Sam, you've been looking into events in Myanmar this week. What can you tell us from what you've been reading? Well, I think, I think um, the, the theme of this week is going to be trends um, moving both forward and backwards. Um, anyone who's aware of um, Myanmar, formerly Burma, will know that 10 years ago, uh, the country came out of a um, military, military rule into civilian rule under the, um, the presidency of uh, Aung San Suu Kyi, um, herself a very uh, flawed and imperfect person. Um, many people uh, put her at the heart of what hap what's been happening to the uh, Rohingya population. But um, as of uh, last week, she's been arrested and placed into custody by the military, who, um, yeah, uh, over, the, um, over a contested election, which is another trend we're seeing at the moment is um has seized control of the country they, they've they've closed down communications um and they've declared a state of emergency which again is, an, is another trend we're seeing uh, the world over which is um the the yeah emergency being used as, as a handy tool for people to gain significant power quite i mean some of the charge is the possession of i think it's 10 walkie-talkies which are uh, thought to have been imported illegally. The sort of charges which these are being put on are, are to say they're loose, is, is quite extreme. It's, <laughs> it's quite scary, really, the, the level to which this goes. Mm -hmm. Yes, and um, the, the idea of elections being fraudulent is, I mean, not, nothing new, right? I mean, we've seen it, we saw it with, um, with the US, in the most obvious example. Uh, Uganda recently uh, basically recruited Silicon Valley to uh, shut down in the country uh, around the time of the election. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, um, there's also, also talk of a possible US intervention. I mean, we, we all knew that with, with the return of Joe Biden, there was also the return of the, uh, the US's military industrial complex. And, you know, uh, sooner or later, there's going to be, you know, the, the, the debutante ball of this returning order and, you know, and, could this be it? I don't know. We'll see. Mm. Now, one of the ideas is that uh, they're trying to keep the leader away because the, the, the last election, I believe, was in November, which the government had won outright. Um, and all previous elections in which Shan San Sun has, has contested, she's, she's been quite successful in also. So they're trying to pin charges on such as this one about... Um, the illegal invitations and breaking house arrests, such things like this, um, to prevent him from standing again for fear that um, in a rushed sort of botched election that the military might try and pursue. 
uh, she might actually come tops again. Luke, what, what do you think we, we're likely to see in the area over the coming months? Uh, I think lots of lots of instability, lots, lots of protests, be similar to the um, Hong Kong riots of a couple of years ago. But if thing with Myanmar, it's not a country that's used to democracy, but it has had democracy for a, a decade now. So, but you still had the powerful military that stayed in power for almost 50 years before citizen, citizen rule took over. Now, I think it will be, and the military has declared a state of emergency. So the only real logical option I can see is just the military cracking down on any form of resistance, which is just what happens when brutal governments come to power. Mm. One interesting form of resistance that we were talking about before we started recording um, is that those who are siding with, um, with the government in defiance of the, the military coup are engaging in, a, in a, 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 sim, a symbol used in the Hunger Games films and in the books as well, where three fingers are raised up. And I was reading yesterday that um, in, in some areas, when, when the military has, has gained more power, they've actually stopped cinemas from being allowed to, uh, allowed to film and to show the film of the, the Hunger Games for further, it might be politicised by those who go and view it. Um, it's, a, it's a strange way in which um, we see this not as the a sort of coup which we might read about in the history books, but uh, very much in the 21st century, or it's a modern one where the symbols used by those trying to defy the coup are taken from big Hollywood films. Uh, and even the technologies which people are being accused of um, of, of using themselves in, in in breach of certain rules are such things as walkie-talkies, as we've been saying. Mm. Sam, do you think that the the use of technology and of the media in this sense is helpful for those who are opposed to the, the military's actions or that it might actually um, lead to sort of further action being taken in a more modern sense against them? Well, it, it just shows what a difference a decade makes, right? Like ten, 10 years ago, we, we, we had the Arab Spring in which Twitter and Facebook were pivotal um, tools in the people of, you know, uh, Egypt and Tunisia, um, bringing down their governments. Um, and, you know, that was back when these platforms were adamantly pro-free speech, adamantly pro-free expression, and, and we, and were, you know, it, it, it was, it was assumed that they would be used without repercussion by dissidents to um, further their own uh, political goals. 10 years on, that simply isn't the case. Um, and um, it's something I was talking about with my dad earlier, actually, which is that um, technology makes tyranny so easy now, especially in the, in the age of lockdown where public life is, is carried out exclusively online. Um, you know, the, there is no tangible public sphere anymore. There's, there's no, you know, um, forum. It's Twitter and it's Facebook. And, and, and now that's being weaponized by nefarious nefarious governments and military regimes to uh, suppress dissidents um yeah i mean um yeah again we, we we we've seen it the world over lately and uh i i i don't think the state of the technology in the in the, in the current year is is anything is any friend of freedom no i mean it was said that we've, t we've touched on this in uh, some other other weekly discussions as well, but it was said that the internet, like the printing press and, you know, and other forms of, of technologies before it, would help to democratise people's views. 
make them more publicly aware. But I suppose because um, voices now are controlled pretty much by one street in Silicon Valley, um, where what is and isn't allowed to be stated um, is decided upon. If anything, it's become more of a limiter of speech um, and a way on which people can quickly um, gather and jump on those against whom they uh, they disagree. Mm. Luke, any thoughts on this as well on on the the, the implementation of technology in, in this old age with with such coups? Yes, well, um, I was thinking of the Arab Spring as well when um because social media will just be part and parcel of political revolution now in uh, Hong Kong people um, used Facebook Twitter or these social media platforms to communicate and the first the Chinese government launched a crackdown and then Western Western companies because of the power and the money of China sort of fell in line with the, the Chinese state I'm not sure what the condition will be with uh, Myanmar whether the military has that much power yet as of yet to censor social media or whether as sam has said the us gets involved and um sets up links to the links to social media in a sense of core stability instability so yes social media is for better or worse with us with the political revolutions and any form of politics really hmm. interestingly one of the major um groups which has been reported on as being a, an opponent of the, the military coup, the coup uh, are doctors in Myanmar. Um, they've, they've come together and said that they would only return uh, for work under the government that was democratically elected last November, as we said. Um, and they've stated that whilst they'll continue to care for patients, they won't do anything related to the military government. Um, now, it seems with sort of that sort of institutional opposition to the military coup, not just from individuals and, and think tanks, but from a profession as important as, as one related to healthcare, uh, that the military might find uh, some problems. What, what do you think from, from what you've been reading, Sam, is, is the sense uh, more broadly in Myanmar um, among the public there of support or opposition for what the military is doing, especially in light of some of the elections that have been held over recent years, as we've said. Well, if if the if the most recent if the, the election in question is to be believed, the the government the the the, the government that that was deposed has a mandate of eighty percent of the of the, of the, of the voter base, which is I mean, it, it, it is you know is beyond the landslide. Um, obviously, you know, um, in, a, in a in a democracy, it's it's quite unlikely that that ratio could be achieved i mean in a, in a very it it, it it lends a, a, a small thread to the the argument that the um the the vote was rigged but there's a there's a quote here um from from the article that i, I i'm i'm reading at the moment which is um it's, it, it it captures the the mood of excitement in in myanmar around the time of the election this is um this is quotes from people at a polling station in uh, in Yangon, the um, country's uh, biggest city, which is uh, people are excited to vote um, and they want a real democracy. Um, almost famous last words, really. But, um, I yeah, I mean, it is hard to tell because countries that are so that are, are not used to to, to freedom and liberty, it, um, it's very hard to tell because you know it, it is still a story. And Myanmar isn't a country that's very often in the news, so it's it, it's hard to 
really get a read on it. Um, you know, prior to this, I mean, I, I was trying to find uh, pieces on Myanmar from before this time. There's, there's virtually nothing. You have stuff, stuff on the Rohingya and then this. Even even now, actually, it, I, I'd struggled over the last few days to find proper reporting of mm. events going on in Myanmar now. Most of most of what's been focused on is the fact that I think uh, some kind of yoga teacher or something like this had been, had been carrying out a lesson uh, in, in the backdrop, the, the military coup took place, and that was that it seemed was one of the most um, mm. one of the most viewed stories around, if you could call it a story, mm. around what's been going on in Myanmar. But I think that's that's a result of the, the cheapening of news by social media. It seems that people latch on to the more entertaining clickbait video stories rather than what actually um, matters most in in the public there. And again, it shows what difference a decade makes. I mean, uh, ten years ago, uh, Suki was 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 the, the the darling of the you know, of um, the sort of the global political scene. You know, the Nobel Peace Laureate um, who you know steered her country out of a, out of a regime. Um, ten years on, I mean, I think you struggle to find people in the public who who really know much about her. No, not at all, and. Um... I mean, in that sense, it's it's almost as if the, the the Western media is playing into the the hands of the the operators of the coup because it seems what they want to do from from some of my reading is, as I said earlier, to prevent her from being able to run another election because up to date she's been quite successful in elections. So to be able to uh, stop her from running at all would be um, effective. And on that note, there's there's an interesting point actually. We said we would steer away from COVID, but um, there is a, a small link here. Uh, in the Financial Times last weekend, it was reported that um, 80 countries so far, according to Freedom House, have used the coronavirus pandemic as an excuse either to censor critics or curb human rights. Mm. Now, we find here that one of the reasons I said was um, that, that Suki was, was facing jail time was for walkie-talkies, but some of her allies have also been accused of um, violating COVID-19 restrictions. That's on the grounds upon which they're trying to imprison people, prevent them from running again and to keep them in custody. It's uh, a, a, an interesting binding of the different topics of, of today into um, what's going on in the country at the moment. Yeah, and, and, and the, the, the use of you know, state of emergency is, 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 is quite interesting. Um, we were saying earlier about you know the the negative effects of um, Hollywoodizing politics, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it it you know it, and and we use the, the example of uh, of Star Wars before we recorded. I mean that 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 is how the Emperor came to power. It seems as if the, these resisting movements seem to know all these symbols, but um, when the real bad guys show up, when they do seize power, it's well, path pathetic virtue signaling. It's three fingers on social media. <laughs> where's, where's the actual you know, freedom fighters? Right. Uh, a Japanese brewery has cut ties with Myanmar. There's that. Yeah. <laughs> First domino to fall. That's, that's the height of diplomacy these days. I mean, the UN, the UN um, Security Council had a meeting or a, a, a teleconference, as it is in the, in the COVID age, physical meetings is impossible. Um, and they, you know, they discussed security matters in Myanmar, but weren't able, or at least were unwilling, to issue a statement actually condemning the action of the military 
in the area. So that so far, the international response, as we said, the media has been relatively quiet on the matter. The UN hasn't actually condemned what the military has done and uh, sanction-wise, very little has been done so far. We did touch briefly on, on the international response. Um, but I suppose given that everything now, culturally and politically, is focused on the coronavirus, it's unlikely that the Western leaders will put too much attention to the matter. But what sort of response in the coming weeks as the, the coup continues, can you imagine uh, the West, for example, taking in response to this? Very, very little. I mean, you, you mentioned the UN Security Council. I mean, this, this is a, a body that's been utterly powerless in the past. Um, you think, you know, the UN peacekeepers you know, sat by idly while the genocides in Rwanda were happening and, 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 and in Bosnia too. I mean, it's, it, it, it's utterly futile and it, it betrays one core thing, which is that the international community, for all its huffing and puffing, doesn't really seem to care that much about, about the third world. I mean, if you, look, if you look at the UN agendas late, lately, it's been, it's been all about the US and, and Australia, uh, of all places. And yeah, the, the countries that um, don't have that serious international clout are just kind of left to crumble while world leaders, you know, make the obligatory tweet. But that, that's about it. I mean, we were saying earlier that the, the, the possibility of US intervention, but thinking about it now, I am, I'm quite doubtful just because I, I don't think they care enough. Mm. Some of the some of the uh, pretexts for which certain jailing times are taking place now, as I mentioned, one was around the coronavirus, but others. Uh, one was quite interesting. I read here that um, the the ousted president um, has been charged for offences under the Natural Disaster Management Law of Myanmar, which was linked to an incident in September when he uh, waved to. Uh, passing convoy of Parsi supporters from outside of the presidential palace. Again, that's a law from the Natural Disaster Management um, reading in, in the country. The way in which in which these um, these these rules spring up or are, are used later on. I mean, for example, now with the coronavirus in Britain, a lot of the um, actions around lockdowns are taking place under the certain public health laws, which you'd expect to be quite. Um, mundane but end up wielding massive amounts of power it's quite um, it's quite sobering in that sense we, when you can see just the level of, of change that small mm. seemingly unimportant bits of legislature can have on a, on a nation mm. Mm. yeah it's a very um, I mean to, to, get, to give the, the devil is due it's a very smart way of consolidating power you know, to pass it innocuous legislation then use to bring, bring the hammer down. So mm -hmm. Sort of the foot in the door technique of them, dictators. Mm. You pa pass the law some year that just goes under the radar because why would the media be concerned about it? And two, three years later, something happens, a crisis and <laughs> many a dictator has made. Well, this, is, this is what I was saying last week is that tyranny is becoming more litigious. I mean, the early whistleblowers in China over the COVID outbreak, um, most of them were arrested under, you know, laws about misinformation or, or public public safety laws. Um, the um, most of the arrests in China happened under the uh, under national security laws. I mean, it's it's you know stuff that stuff that that's pushed in in, in, in you know in relative peacetime, quote unquote, but um, is is you know weaponized in any in, in a crisis. 
well in reference to to national security laws which are are written in the legislature legislature books uh one year unreported on quietly forgotten then some years later are brought back to haunt us i think it's a a good way to move on to the next story luke which is is yours this week and you're going to uh, talk about the very jolly tale of the implementation in britain of child spies what have you been reading about indeed well um there is currently a, a intelligence bill slash security bill floating around the houses of parliament at the minute which will um give state agencies the power to use children in cover operations now this is just a continuation of the war on terror terrorism is cited also county line drug gangs is cited which usually use children to transport narcotics and uh, so, so in, in keeping the tune with coronavirus being used as a cover for dictatorships it's sort of because of the coverage of the pandemic this is completely thrown under the this is completely thrown under the radar hardly anyone in the media is talking about it even less so than myanmar which is on the other side of the world and uh, it is uh, is don't see much hope with this it's picked up some resistance in in the house of lords but in this country we don't really have an opposition in power anymore like the covid lockdowns there's just an echo chamber which irons out and rigorously debates the fine details so, so a coalition of cross-party peers wants to put in safeguards for the child spies for the disruptors of liberty that they want to make sure that um child spies can back out of operations if there's a risk of foreseeable harm to the child when they commit criminal offences in their operations. It's not a debate about oh, whether we should have child spies in the first place. It's, you know, or what, what powers should they be given? So absolute doormat of an opposition. opposition. Yeah. And uh, as we've talked about um, laws being used to um, go further and ta tackle political opposition, this could easily be used for children spying on parents if they break COVID rules if they um state hate speech in the home and the law commission last year even said that um private conversations should be policed and if any offense is found which there will be prosecuted yeah. that that reminds <laughs> me of, of, of an old um conservative party election poster which was a it was an anti-labor thing there was an image of a house with you know fingers and you know noses sort of looking into it and said uh you know um socialism means inspectors in your home if you want your soul to be your, your own vote conservative and you know uh, what 80 years later the conservative party are uh, installing inspectors into the home i mean it's it's i'm very hesitant to uh, use 1984 as a reference in politics because i i think it's trite but this literally happens in 1984 child spies who are taught to spy on their parents and um also, with with the um, with, with Scotland's new hate crime bill, um, which as it could you know criminalise you know, dinner conversations, um, and add, add to that the fact that you know uh, children are, go are now being educated in, in a political monoculture where they're being taught that the only way to be moral is to you know is to is to be progressive socially. Um, I mean, what to say that the kids aren't aren't, aren't going to go home from school? You know grasp their parents. I mean, we, we've seen it lately with, with, with kids um, sacrificing their parents to, you know, Twitter mobs um, for various things. I mean, I, I, I don't see how this ends well. It, it no. won't end well. Then. <laughs> well, just quickly on the point of opposition, since you mentioned it, Luke, as you say, it's interesting that even within the Conservative Party, the main um, worry 
was that the children may at some point become unsafe in the situation, um, which itself is a very weak criticism because, of course, the government can quickly respond and say, oh, well, if a child becomes unsafe, first of all, we'll make sure there's all sort of safeguards so that that doesn't happen. But if they do, we'll pull them out of the situation and make sure they're fine. Uh, and then the debate ends. But it, it's incredible that, it, that even Conservatives, who are supposed to stand up for the family unit, pretty much above most else, should find that as the primary criticism, rather than, as you say, Luke, simply the question of whether or not, whether or not children should be used as spies against their own parents. I'd say that that's fundamental enough. I mean, on top of that, you've got the fact that within some of the, the drafts of these bills, the idea that those conducting the, the spying um, will be able to break the law in able to carry out you know, certain investigations that such breaking of the law won't be prosecuted or seen in a negative way. That'll be a, a means to an end. But of course, that, that itself is a, a massive slap in the face to the rule of law as, as well as to the family unit. So yeah, as, as Sam says, we live in a political monoculture which has extended to the halls of democracy. <laughs> we have a one-party state. We've had a one-party state since well, at least the reign of Thatcher, which is part of a cultural revolution which tried to disregard all Western traditions and, part, and what, stood in the way, what stood in the way was family unit because it represents an allegiance outside that of the nation state, of the ever-increasing power of the government. The same thing for religion as well. And uh, it's just, if you're not, if you don't feel safe in your own home, if you don't trust the people in your own home, then what's, what type of world, what society do we have left? If you can't even trust your own family members. And of course, our children nowadays are being, not being raised by the parents. Parents are too busy working. They're um, being raised by social media, very left wing, teaching curriculum, very left wing. The TV. Yes, and and of course, all these other wicked devices of the modern age. So, it, I mean, Sam, you've also said what a difference 10 years makes. I'd hate to think this bill in action 10 years down the line. So we'll be arrested for hate speech. Yeah, no, that, that is the, that is, it's the latest part of the very worrying friend of family breakdown. I mean, this undermines the bond of the family so much. And it's like, it's like you were saying, Luke, the kids are being raised in a not only a political but a moral monoculture um and to 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 say that the, the the job of passing on morality is is anything other than the domain of the, of the family is is worrying to say the least um i mean i mean how how can a family recover if you know if, if you're if your 13 year old kid snitches on you and gets you arrested like how how, how do you come back from that it's also the nature of children, as Orwell says, they're very easy to exploit because they're, they're very agreeable and instinctively they like to conform with their own age group, like to rebel against their elders, and they're very malicious. Their brain hasn't fully developed yet to encompass emotions such as empathy. There's just the perfect Trojan horse to send into the family to uncover whatever crimes the state declares are crimes. Yeah. I think another point, Luke, is that... Um, Children, especially at the ages which might be used um, in this new legislation when it comes into action, aren't very good or incapable rather of knowing the, the long-term consequence of their actions. They can only see because of their age and uh, lack of experience, um, perhaps a, a few months ahead and, and won't realise the, the true weight of, 
the action of, as you say, grassing on um, on certain actions, even even if the legislation were to be effective. Mm. There's, a, there's a reason we have uh, an age of consent. There's a reason we have a, a voting age, uh, an age to join the army. There's a reason we have age barriers because at a certain age, your brain isn't fully developed and you can't, you can't understand what you're doing with these things. I mean, if, you know, I mean, I'm sure at some point in our lives, you know, around puberty, we all, you know, lashed out at our parents and said horrible things that we, we you know, we, we didn't mean because we didn't understand what we were saying or what we were doing. I mean, uh, I mean, there are times when I was you know, 12, 11, 13, where I was angry at my parents and I, and I probably would have done something about it. Um, had the opportunity been there and I, and I could have done some serious damage, not only to my parents' lives, but to the bond between us. Um, but it's really worrying. It's, it's, it, again, it's, you know, the, the, it seems with every new, de new development, the, the glue that keeps us together as a, as a civil society is just coming undone. And um, there, there's an element of, 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 of you know, servitude there. I think an important point is that it it, um, it redefines the boundaries between who is and who isn't the authoritative figure within the family. So we, we say about what a difference 10 years makes, but if we go back slightly uh, further than that, um, it's not too long ago that, that parents um, were deemed, uh, it was deemed acceptable that parents should uh, punish their children physically, you know, corporal punishment, and the, the same happened in schools as well now i think there's there's certainly uh, legislation in place which prevents that from happening in schools but even now uh, in wales um smacking is being banned in homes um so that the um the, the parent is is less able to to enact punishments in, in forms that they see fit um so long as still bearing responsibility over the action uh, but this sort of legislation doesn't just push down on the, the authority the parent possesses, but were a child to see it fit to, um, to, to grasp on the parents for one thing or another, whether justifiable or not, um, the, 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 the scale of authority is completely flipped on the other side, which is a, is a, strange, a strange dynamic considering, as you say, Sam, the, the family is where uh, one's culture is passed down from one generation to the next is where people gain an understanding of how society works and how they're to act in different situa situations. But if they don't see their, their elders as people worthy of looking up to, of people who bear authority and to whom you must be disciplined, uh, then that sort of teaching just won't take place. Mm. Mm. I mean, there's, um, there's something uh, Pete Hitchens talks about a lot, which is that um, the fundamental discrimination we must make is between uh, change in progress um mm. you know progress is, is is inevitable to an extent um but you know wanton destruction of you know uh, our meta narratives not only the family but also you know the, the the nation state the church all those things um that that being dismantled in the name of public health is not any form of progress it's just, it's just opportunistic change for change's sake great we talked within that about measures being taken against free speech um, and I think that's a, a good way to move on to the last topic. Um, now Elon Musk isn't setting his sights against free speech as such but against speech altogether it seems in some of his latest trials. So at the minute he's, he's working on uh, implanting through one of his company Neuralink um, 
small computer chips into the minds of monkeys. A few months ago, it was a, a pig named Gertrude who had a, a coin-sized computer chip in her brain. Um, now it's monkeys, and the aim, Musk says, in a, uh, he discussed in a recent speech, was to um, design a wireless chip that would allow um, these monkeys, and obviously later, this is a trial stage, humans, to control computers with their minds. So it's sort of stage where people might be able to communicate through email with, uh, with their minds, things like this. Um, but if we go back to a, a, a talk which, which Musk made with uh, Joe Rogan last year, with his latest discussion with him, um, Musk was asked by Rogan whether or not we might come to a stage where people communicate in a non-verbal, non-physical way, where data is just transferred back and forth through the mind, through these computer chips. And Musk said, yes, that's exactly what we're aiming for. So it's, um, it seems to be a strange progression here. I mean, the, your talk, Ben Sam, of the distinction between change and progress is, is suitable, suitable again, I think. Um, with just how far technology is going, to the extent that um, something as sacrosanct as the brain, which up until uh, just a couple of decades ago, we, we knew very little about, and which we still know very little about, is being manipulated in this way by technological advances. Where do you think we could see this going? Well, that's the terrifying part, is that we can't see where this is going. We're messing with something irreversible here. That, I mean, I, I, I almost lost for words. There's, 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 there's absolutely no telling where this, where this, this could go. And perhaps a sensible prediction if you look at all the new digital technologies of the age they were invented then they were mass marketed they're very popular and then people nefarious people found out ways how to exploit that for their own personal gain mm. such as we've seen with censorship on social media completely controlling the narratives and i think well it, it, from what i've read elon musk also um the monkey was also able to play video games with his brain which I'm, I'm sure Elon Musk would figure how to transfer that to humans as well. And if you need any reference to the Matrix, it's there in front of your very eyes. Yeah. And yeah. the thing is, we've had all these distractions now. There's all this entertainment which tries to suck us out of the real world, Netflix, video games. This would be the ultimate form of that. And I think it will be very popular. That's the most terrifying thing about it. People will, like lockdowns welcome it with open arms. Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the pretexts for this happening is um, helping to cure conditions such as dementia, Parkinson's, and spinal cord injuries going into the brain. But I, I see this as being a bit of a red herring. That this would be a positive application of of such technology. But I think one of the main points with this, especially with Musk being uh, in his position financially as he is, is a sort of commercial gain um, using it as a as a device with which people can engage technologically i mean was it apple that recently came out with sort of the technological glasses which allowed you to do certain things even apple watches and google. now apple yeah. google right i mean watches now you can talk on your phone with this and things like this people people love this sort of um, area people are excited by the technological change it seems increasingly and would would welcome this sort of development with open arms something which is worth taking, but I think it's it's worth questioning just its, um, I don't suppose philosophical would be the right sense, but it's more theoretical application uh, more broadly rather than just, oh, it's, it's the brain, it's, it's something we should err against manipulating. I think it's just worth thinking about the fact that it's another step where 
we seem to be taking um, as much as we can the, I suppose, the easier approach to life. Whatever is the quickest route out of doing something is the one we take. So with, with shopping, we prefer supermarkets to going to the butchers and the grocers and the, the florists individually. It's a much quicker, uh, less costly in terms of exercise process. And then, you know, we've got obviously people engaging casual sex now rather than that within relationships because the cost is far less great. You don't have to talk to people very long. You don't have to have children or bear any other sorts of responsibilities. And here again, rather than having to engage in conversations and struggle through language, you can just communicate with a back and forth with a little chip in the brain. I mean, one of the points that, that Musk makes is that um, language itself is quite difficult. There's a lot of loss of information, he said in a recent speech, that occurs when compressing a complex concept into words. And then those words are interpreted and they're decompressed by the person who's listening. Saying is, uh, this as if it's a problem which needs to be solved because people are, are unable to communicate with themselves. It's a very... I know it's foolish isn't the word it's it's quite scary actually the, yeah. I mean, the thinking behind this it's 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 gaining popularity i think particularly the communication side is because we're just now terrified of other people we live we live in a, a low trust society where we're so glued into our screens I and mean, we're talking on the screen right now into facebook into twitter that going outside to talk to people is just now unheard of this is the new form of communication and have, have any of you read Atomized by Michel Houellebecq? Um, Parts of it. Well, yeah, well the, the sort of book ends, not really a spoiler. It, it ends with um, humans, like Cybermen, attaching electronics to themselves, very much like the chip in the brain. And that's only really made possible because society is just so fed up of everyone. It's so individualised. And <laughs> the, the, the more you can make yourself seem invincible, the better. Yeah, that's an interesting point, actually. If I could just just quickly, Sam, is that the, we talk about technological change in regards to this. I think the the biggest change which facilitates the acceptance is actually the social change. Because if even if the technology were there two hundred years ago, where people could introduce such a chip to their brains, it would just be rejected outright. Even fifty years ago, people would say this is ridiculous. You know, I've got no problems with putting my thoughts into conversation. I quite like actually talking to people. I'm friends with my neighbours. I've got a loving family and I want to carry on communicating with them. Whereas now, as you say, the social change, especially for people growing up in lockdown, where children um, literally cannot go out to see friends for fear of being fined by the government uh, and the police, um, are growing up in a, in a, in a place where they, they are more fearful of, of communicating with and being you know, physical and interacting with other human beings. Hmm. It's 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 incremental is the, is the worrying part, um, hmm. and, and, and when it comes you know tacit public consent, I mean technology has gone from you know something you you would go to the you know the the, the state fair and marvel at to something in your, in your living room, so then then in your bedroom, then in your pocket, and now in your head. I mean, it's it's this, just this, this infuriating trend of just, we just can't seem to just leave nature alone. You know, this, 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 you know, biological utopianism and, and deification of science is, it's, it's, it's going to be our undoing. Um, we're, we're gradually stripping away everything that it, it, it means to be a human. Um, to the point where I, 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 I think enough people will, 
uh, will be cynical and not take this for there to almost, if this does go the full route to be almost a, a two tier society of people who are, you know, uh, trans humans and people who aren't. Mm. You can, you can see, for example, the application of this in the workplace. Now I said one of the, one of the uh, aspects of this was the ability to communicate. Uh, Musk was saying, it is. He said that the, uh, these are prototypes of a brain to machine interface that will one day help people with brain injuries, as I said, that's a bit of a red herring, but also to do tasks such as to type an email simply by thinking. Now you can see the, the workplaces of the future if they're not simply the bedrooms or the, the offices as, as they are through the lockdown era, um, requiring workers to, to have such interfaces because otherwise they'd have to pay for more complicated, uh, complex systems of, uh, of wider technologies which have to be implemented throughout the whole system and for internet usage, all this much easier, more convenient and, and uh, compact to have a little bit in your brain that does the, the job for you instead. Mm -hmm. Hooked into the matrix, all, all you'd have to do is just, just lie on your bed and then oh, that's your workplace. And there's also this, this picture where just the, the same shot of someone sitting at a desk and the headings are work entertainment all these activities which you usually spent in the real world is all spent at a desk and soon enough to be spent in our own heads if and this is this is me thinking you know 30 40 years down the road if the rate of increase continues where an authentic human life is a, is, is, a, is a novelty a niche you know it's a it's a quirky bohemian lifestyle to to have your brain as is Mm. I mean, one of the one of the problems with a, a topic like this is that it can easily be easily be grasped upon by uh, those who might be termed conspiracy theorists. Right? This is very much the the tinfoil hat, as you might say, sort of territory, um, and you can extrapolate a lot which isn't true from the story. But from what I've been reading here, I mean, this was reported on in the in the press very widely, and. Musk has been delivering speeches and he's the thing is he's very open about what his aims are I'm not extrapolating the fact that people might use emails or that um, they might use this as an alternative form of communication these are Musk's aims in pursuing this project just as when technologies were arising with the you know through NASA and the, the, the space race people knew we want to land on the moon Musk has made it quite clear that the end goal of this is that people won't have to use um, physical vocal forms of communication to be able to talk to one another this isn't a conspiracy type theory this is this is just the aim and i think as we said the idea that people would be willing to take this up um as a form of communication is almost guaranteed far more simple isn't it that you i mean what what musk says here as, as i've just said um that you know it's, it's difficult to get complex concepts into words a lot of people who are more fearful of interacting, especially after having years of their early developmental lives locked indoors, might find it far more easier and less scary to talk through a chip which does all the hard work for you rather than stumble across words and, uh, and form a kind of personality around the matter. Mm. Mm. Well, it seems that this introduction of this, these social media platforms and this virtual communication has fed a negative feedback cycle where people use Facebook and Twitter, their attention spans go down, they don't develop their vocabularies, they're not reading, and then that just feeds onto all these other simpler ones, which is on a straight path downwards, it seems. 
we were saying before we recorded that Michael that you, that you often have customers come in and, and you know say this kind of thing and your first response is okay cool I mean as if it's you know it's the kind of thing that someone who only someone who's you know who's that crazy would say I mean this is this is Ike's law you know that um, as things become more insane the people who we consider to be insane become somewhat vindicated yeah yeah well it's that, that you know you hear certain things um, I, I first heard this in a, you know someone told me that they're trying to get rid of language and you go all oh, right um, you know that that might be the aim of some but you can't imagine it being implemented or discussed openly but then you know when you when you read about what it is they're actually aiming to do it's it's shocking just how far uh, certain um, explorations into the, the technological world are actually going uh, you know I, I think it would be good if limits were drawn if people said actually let's not do this mm. let's not try and interrupt with the um, the sort of verbal communication these things are actually quite important mm. they're quite important in passing down uh, cultural trends and and just child development as well mm. uh, but unfortunately i don't think the, the people who are engaging in such uh, technological pursuits have those sorts of of um, uh, thinking points in mind yeah i mean this, this reminds me of something i, I saw on david like he was on um either LBC or Talk Radio, I can't remember which, which one, but he was in a, he was in a discussion with the host and, and um, I think it was Eamon Holmes actually and, and someone else. Yeah. And the, um, he, he was talking about, you know, things like Alexa and Google Home and um, how, you know, nefarious is to have that in your home. And the, the, the co-host was basically, her, her only argument was that, yeah, but it's convenient. Yeah, but it's convenient. Like that, that, that's the worrying part is that the, the masses giving their tacit approval to what is a, a, a fundamental change in the way human beings work um, is that it's convenient. Yeah, well, I think I think a, a much wider point can be made of this that you know may, maybe we should write a book on this that life is too easy. Certain things need to become more difficult because unless if we keep on taking the convenient route, then the the gain that can be uh, can be ascertained from from everyday experiences are just taken away. As I say, supermarkets are convenient, casual sex is convenient, but they get rid of the communal feeling. They get rid of, uh, of the idea of love, of happiness, um, and replace it with short-term pleasure and long-term misery. And I think this is another example. It's convenient not to have to put one's thoughts into words, but then as a result of that, yeah, Orwell said this actually, this, is, this links onto the question of free speech. Orwell says that if you are unable to say things openly and to make mistakes, then you aren't able to think. Speaking of the, you know, uh, the, um, the timely matter of the virus, the way that viruses mutate is by, um, is by making mistakes. They, they say that the coronavirus itself actually mutates more slowly because it has a very effective proofreading function. Therefore, when mutating, it says, no, we won't do this because you know, it, it realizes mistakes before they take place. But because of that, it mutates less slowly, things develop more, less, uh, less quickly. The same with speech laws. If I am prevented because of, um, of, of cancel culture and hate speech laws from saying certain things that are controversial, then controversial, sorry, then I am less likely to make a mistake in my thoughts and to try and correct my thinking and to actually develop my thoughts. Mm. Same with this. If I'm not talking and not putting my thoughts into words because I've got a little chip doing the hard work for me, 
then I just won't think. It's the natural extension. If you can't talk, if you can't make mistakes, then you don't learn from anything. You don't progress with your thought. You stay as a pretty supine uh, character of a being. Yeah, I mean, at the root of that, it's a question of, you know, what happens to a person when your survival needs outsourced to the cost of three pounds for a sandwich? You know, the convenience is, is uh, as I'm realizing now, is such a dangerous thing. Now, before we delve too much into the tinfoil hat territory and before we get pulled off YouTube for uh, spreading conspiracies of our own, I think it's worth looking at the, uh, the, the wider stories of the week, other things that have been going on now that we've touched on three topics in a bit more detail. Now, the coronavirus, of course, and lockdowns are still with us, as they may well be on episode 500 of this series. But Sam, where, where are we at the minute in terms of the, the government's beloved arm level and um, around the reopening of schools and such things like that? Well, as of about two hours ago, it's fallen to uh, between uh, 0.7 and 1, which uh, apparently is good news. It's one of those things where... Um, it's also wrapped up in you know, data and jargon that the that a layman, such as myself, um, oh, that's good, you know. Um, yeah, so according to uh, Chris Whitty, our, um, our beloved overlord, um, <laughs> says we're, we're, we're past the peak. Um, we're not at the level where we can lift things, but we're supposedly past the peak, which, um, I mean, I, I'm not going to, you know, myself as I did last year into thinking that you know once the spring comes around that you know freedom and, and, and liberty but um I think what will probably happen now is we'll, we'll experience what we did last year was you know we get a nice few months of freedom you know limited freedom you know you, you can see your friends but then come come winter time we'll probably be right back to square one it all, all depends on the success of the, va the vaccine rollout um so yeah we'll see I mean you know there's 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 I mean objectively this is not cause for celebration but i mean given what we've had for the last year i think it's it's something to smile about yeah i mean it's been said now even by some of the government's own scientific advisors who usually are very um very in favor of of lockdown and and, and tough restrictions that you know even they are saying the government are keeping schools closed unnecessarily which was an interesting development and rishi sunak uh, yesterday wrote um, or, or, or says that um, he's scared that the goalposts are being moved by the scientific advisors as to when lockdown can can start easing. I mean it occurs to me that the goalposts aren't being changed by the scientists but just completely eroded. I mean, one of the one of the standpoints especially by uh, which has been pushed by Hancock in, with the advice of the advisors is that we can't leave lockdown until there are no new variants. Now, since exactly what the virus does is create new variants by mutating, uh, the goalposts in that case just don't exist. But in terms of the schools reopening, um, even the advisors are starting to say, well, actually, the, it wouldn't be so bad to open the schools now. Um, I think it's far more damaging that they were closed in the first place. But uh, let's hope that even it's positive rather that even within government ranks they're starting to say maybe it's about time to get these open and i certainly think that it is about time mm. yeah i mean I, 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 yeah as perfectly put um on, on the point of you know uh the 
the barrier being, you know, zero COVID or no new variants. I mean, it's such a Canusian task. I mean, they're trying to stop the tide here. Um, yeah. And it, it, it's so unfair to, to use, say, New Zealand as an example here. We, we, we do not remotely have the same context as New Zealand. We aren't, we aren't a remote part of the world with you know, limited international flow. I mean, London is, a, is, a, is an international nucleus. I mean, it's, it's, it's where, um, you know, it's the meeting point of, you know, of so many worlds. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to, to, to use, you know, countries that, you know, tucked away in, 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 in the farthest, you know, southeast of the, of, of the, of the map uh, as 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 example to follow is, I think, I think it's frankly ridiculous. And as you said, yeah, the goalposts are being moved, obliterated. I mean, just never forget that at the start of this, we were told three weeks. Closing on the first year anniversary of that. Yeah, only a month away. I think the yeah. well, also on the subject of lockdowns, I think the most worrying thing I've seen, one of the most worrying things I've seen so far is I think in Queensland and Australia where they had where they recorded one COVID case and sent the entire state into a lockdown. One COVID case, and I also saw an article that said that there's about four thousand variants of the COVID coronavirus in the world. And that that's just as of now. Imagine tomorrow. So yes. Well, there's, I think what it, what it is on that is that there's there's four thousand versions of the um, the spike protein, I think, which is what um, gets the, the the virus into the host. So, um, so, so the virus has found four thousand different ways of getting into a body, right? Um, as we said last week, um, when, when we talked about variants, as the vaccine rollout increases, it's likely that more new variants will, will occur because there's more immunity against which the virus has to uh, compete. So if the no new variant stance continues to be taken, we could see lockdowns going on for even much longer than we lockdown sceptics fear, never mind think. Mm. But I suppose on that, it's, um, it's, it's something which we should at least maintain a little hope over, not, not blind optimism. We shouldn't just simply believe and then, and then lay over in, in, in the belief that schools will reopen. I think it's important to keep on putting the government to account on this to, to those who are interested in hearing or reading about it. Um, but as I say, there are some positive signs within government that the, the advisors are starting to warn about. Uh, long closures and that people such as Sunak are, are saying that we should be, I think he said, reaching a, a fat lady sing moment as soon as possible. So let's, let's hope that that comes, comes around as soon as possible, as they say. Mm. Yeah. And on that bombshell on reopening, I think it's worth closing up for, for this week in review and we'll be back again next Saturday to look at what's gone on in the, the next seven days to come. Let's hope there's something cheery to report back on then. Thanks, Sam and Luke. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Bye.